but there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The big, re the wealthy, that, the real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. They're, they're, they're irrelevant. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media, media news, all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. That's right. You know something? They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your Social Security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. <laughs> you and I are not in the big club. And by the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Yeah. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of E-Radio. Um, once again, I sometimes like to start my episodes with some wisdom from the late George Carlin, especially since a lot of it seems to apply more and more as time goes on. If this is your first time tuning in, consider checking out my archives. You'll find interviews with uh, politicians, activists, scientists, uh, congressmen, senators, presidential candidates, and a lot of uh, different roundtable discussions about current events, although most of them wouldn't be current anymore. Uh, if you look at my archives, you can go all the way back to 2008. My personal 
political views have evolved a great deal in that time. Um, but currently, this is the third party candidate series. And if you look back through the archives, you will see an awful lot of different interviews with Libertarian candidates and Green Party candidates and Socialist Party candidates. I'm planning to invite as many of them on as possible to theoretically uh, be willing to host a debate for the individual primaries of each of these parties. And then hopefully after that, be able to hold, um, hold a series of general election debates between the various third parties to give options to people who are basically disenfranchised with the current party system. I personally believe that the duopoly needs to go. Something that George Washington said in his farewell address was that he was very wary of the party system. And then his concern was that people would start doing what was best for their party and not necessarily what was best for the country. And that's exactly what happened. A lot of people are not even aware of the fact that the party system is not in our constitution. And effect effectively, it basically functions almost like a malware or a computer virus to our constitution because it has an enormous amount of control over who we are, who we are allowed to elect. And that was never intended by the founding fathers when they drafted the Constitution. So uh, today my guest is a candidate for the Green Party nomination. His name is Chad Wilson. Welcome, Chad, to the show. Hello, hello. Well, thank you much. Thank you for having me. Well, Chad, um, it's good to have you on. The first question that I always ask everybody um, is what was the precipice moment for you? What was the moment that made you decide to get involved in politics and go from being more than just an observer of politics to actually getting involved? Uh, well, where to start? Where to start? Um, I mean, it was kind of a, a, a process. Uh, and it's important to, to map out, too, because um, you said in your intro that your views have changed. Uh, and I think that's that's the key to point out is that as time goes on, we we learn things, we learn how to process things, and, uh, and that's kind of been where I've been. Uh, what really got me into it, though, was uh, the Islamophobia, because I started see I was raised in in the church. Uh, my dad's a preacher, grandma, my grandpa, Pentecostal church, got a prophecy, so I was raised in that church camps, revivals, all that stuff. So when they were doing a lot of now looking back now I understand the propaganda and the whole thing about beating the the, the fear drum in order to be able to extend these wars. Uh, I saw a lot of people that I grew up with and, and friends and family and stuff uh, and family, uh, you know, talking about not just not just Islamophobia but just different issues that it kind of blew my mind to hear them speak on. So you know I, I did a lot of pushback and. It, it, that just kind of started my my process, um, just just because I uh, and I'll give give you the story real quick. Uh, uh, I was in it was in church camp, and my counselor w was telling us that they were going to send this girl home for smoking a cigarette, or they found a cigarette in her in her suitcase or whatnot. And he told he told them if you're going to send her home, then I'm going home too. Um, you know why the people that need to be here? Why are you sending them home? Why are you, you know, the, the the ones that need the influence? You know, why are you pushing them away? You know, so since then I, I've had a different you know take and perspective. And as my, you know, as, as I, I, my life experience grew, I got to a point where, uh, you know, I started seeing this the real hypocrisy. You know, I, I saw it growing up, but you don't really think to. Um, how to speak on it, you know what I mean? 
just because you know you know being a preacher's kid and stuff like that. Anyway, so I I I pushed back quite a bit, and it just it just got me going down the path of understanding policy. I mean, I even had my time of defending Obama, you know, before I was, you know, um, uh, I guess given the. Uh, the lowdown and, and really started to understand what he's done and you know his crimes and you know, war crimes and all that kind of stuff. So there's you know it's a process and and now where I'm at now it's important to to look at everything because of because of my um, my time that I've spent being emotionally triggered, um, which is what they want. They want you to have an emotional response about these these uh, you know wedge issues these. Uh, these boilerplate issues in order to you know keep you fighting about the output of these policies, the output of all these things that they're doing you know uh, rather than you know having us really discuss the root causes and be able to acknowledge with each other you know where where certain things are correct to a degree and you know where certain things are preposterous you know it's just the the conversation wasn't is not allowing us to you know, get to a certain point. So I just went down the rabbit hole um, and really got engaged in 2016 and uh, supported Bernie, of course, until he he bent the knee uh, at the convention. And that, of course, sent me down the, the, the different direction. And, you know, all the stuff is just, is, is just blowing my mind, you know, and, and having to process it. Of course, I ended up voting for Jill Stein, and then got involved with uh, some some cats that are across the country. We were doing this Zoom thing online. Um, I mean, hours and hours of discussions, you know, a few times a week, you know, talking about politics and being able to go through through things and and you know, kind of have an opportunity to, to show your ass and and realize where your your hypocrisy is, you know, because it, it was just a format where people could could really discuss stuff. Uh, so again, the train just started, you know, started going, and and I started taking it serious, and and really trying to understand, you know, why why things are the way that they are, rather than just continuously be, um, um you know, have an emotional response about all all these issues. So uh, that's just it. It got me in, and then of course what got me. I know you're gonna ask me about probably why I'm running. Uh, we were. Uh, in this group, there were some Greens uh, from across the country, and they brought to the attention about Jesse Ventura uh, maybe wanting to run for the nomination or run, you know, run for the Green Party for president. And he got some publicity, and you know, so he brought that to the table, and and it, it got me engaged in a different way because, okay, you know, I, I saw I saw some of the issues, um, just just not even. Not even knowing what was going on, like internally in in the Green Party, but I understand like branding and art and and like art direction, uh, that that stuff is so important. Presentation. So seeing the way that a lot of these things are presented, you know, we've, we we had these discussions about you know why people maybe not necessarily take my party seriously, and so it got me interested in in talking about the you know the negatives and positives of a possible Jesse Ventura run. So in seeing these Green Party members that that were involved, um, you know, they've been involved in the party, you know, try to bring that to the table and and trying to get other Greens involved, you know, excited about it, 
and, and actually, it, it, I ended up running into some toxic, uh, you know, insiders, and we can get into that later on. But uh, it was my sure. that was kind of my real first um, glimpse of kind of the um, dirty vibe, inner, you know, attitude that these people had. I thought it was just kind of a toxic behavior. I, di- I didn't realize the, the full extent of you know some of the the corruption that was going on. Um, but you know, again, that really gave me a different perspective to look at at the Green Party, you know, doing doing these think tanks. And um, when I didn't see Jesse jump in the ring, and I didn't see uh, anybody saying the things that that I want to hear that that I'm looking for, I, I felt that it was um, important for me to get in and run and you know try try to you know in, influence the you know, influence the uh, the pool. Okay. So um, the next question, basically questions are to be understood to be more or less phrased from the perspective of if you were going to be the president, as in you're in the White House. And the first one that I have lined up is foreign policy. The first part of this question is general, as in just an idea of what would a you know President Chad Wilson's foreign policy be like? And then we will get into more specific um, situations that are foreign policy related to get your reaction. So first, give me your general ideas on foreign policy. Uh, you know, uh, domestic policy is foreign policy. I know. I think Tulsi said that. Some other people have too. Um, it's important to understand at at this point all the dirt that we've done as a nation. I mean, you can look at the the list. You know, all the false flags, all all the things that have come out to you know come to light after the fact. You know, from Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Libya. You know, you name it. We're 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 doing so much dirt. Uh, so uh, looking at 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 our uh, impact on the rest of the world. It's just important to get to a point where we can try and acknowledge all these things that have happened and have some sort of um, um, well redemption for for the country, you know, by some sort of hearing or prosecution of a lot of these war criminals, a lot of these uh, people that have destroyed other countries and and you know created these quagmires and these vacuums for. For all these these things to pop up, that in fact we're you know we're involved in you know giving weapons and funding you know proxy through here and there. So I, I think at this point because we can connect and people have been connecting for a little bit now, it, it's just an opportunity to take it to a, a, a different level about how we how we uh, approach working together as you know humanity. Um, really, it's it's these people that are running our government, you know, that are hiding behind our government, that are hiding behind these corporations, that are the ones, you know, that are are, you know, fanning the flames and and doing all this stuff behind the scenes. So I, I feel like for the most part, you know, we can cool down a lot of temperatures and change the the dynamic um, with the world by addressing a lot of a lot of the internal issues. A lot of the internal corruption that is actually, you know, breeding all, all these these things. So I, I, my approach, you know, needs would be, um, you know, trying to find a way to, um, 
take you know take the blame for our our part and stuff and i i don't think anybody's really um i mean i, I guess people speak about it but i i i just think it's important um that we we address that with with the citizens of other nations so they so they know that we're um a lot of the dirt that has has done been done is has been done in in you know our in our nation's name but it's been done because of you know uh, you know the manufacturing consent where it makes us think we're doing something right when you know we're not doing anything or you know when we're actually doing something wrong you know drop you know even world war 2 when we dropped the bomb you know uh, just uh, there's there's so many you know, there's so many uh, that you can you can choose from. You know, to to I, I just we have to have a a a new way of dealing with things and and you know weapons and killing and and uh, we we just have to change change. Uh, and I, I think we can we can do that. We're just it's the first time in history that we can communicate in such a mass level where everybody actually has you know some sort of platform some sort of voice i mean of course censorship is a big deal and we we've got to work on that those the three big things there for me is is getting rid of the censorship the propaganda and the corruption i i feel like those three things can can help you know clear clear everything up to where people can make um you know better better decisions more more educated decisions like carlin said i mean should he say he said everything everything in the, in the, in that bit okay so we move on to um let's pr- propose a circumstance in which our country is attacked and and i mean in a major scale like 911 uh what if any military reaction would you as the president want to take in such a situation uh, i mean it that's kind of a, a you know, there's I'm sure a lot, a lot of details that would you know it's such such a broad thing. Um, I, I mean, of course, you know I I would want to have the best information. At, at this point, you know the information that they give the public is is obviously lies. So our intelligence, you know, our, our, at some point there's a breakdown. Uh, in in what they're they're telling either telling us or you know or they're or they're not they're incompetent, which I'm sure that they they know a lot of things. Um, well, let's just assume I, that we know who did okay. it and they killed it. a few thousand people, and okay. um, then we have to decide how, if, and when we would use the military to respond. Oh, okay, is is it? Would it be like a head of a uh, of a nation? Is it somebody that's just uh, like some sort of group that's a we'll rebel say group a group but dwells within a nation? Gotcha. Um, see, I mean, a lot of these things I would I would want to really unpack. You know why? You know why they're they're attacking? You know why? You know, understand a lot of these these things to take to take the wind out of people's sails, because violence begets violence. And the main thing that I I, I want to uh, instill is uh, is creating an, another approach um, in, in order for people to not have to to 
to commit violence. And I, I feel like a lot of times people um, that you know the pressure that 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 is typically the way we 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 sell the idea of of finding a solution. Uh, I, I don't I don't think a uh, um, unless uh, unless it were something specifically I guess uh, that I mean I guess the devil's in the details. I I would the idea would would be to do things as uh, less violently as possible um and be be creative how we bring people to justice um, okay I, so yeah, I'm, I'm i think i think what well, i just i think that we have to in in the violence you know all the way around you know um i mean i know it's hypothetical so that that's where it's a hard thing to to understand like you know why? Why are people lashing out? What's what's the cause? You know, again, it's not to condone the behavior of someone, but we have to understand, you know, all all the reasons around that are 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 again breeding this type of 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 response. You know, it's emotional response to to whatever. You know, and that that's an important thing to to understand. Okay, so now we move on to another uh, example. Um, that's the situation in Syria. I guess to frame that circumstance, we have the possibility that, uh, you know, the leader of a country is um, in some way uh, killing people who live there in an inhumane fashion, you know, or is that what happened? Um, But we have to determine whether or not we as a country would deploy our military to intervene in such a situation. Do you understand the parameters of the question? I think so. I think so. Um, well, you know, with Syria, um, you know, we, we found out that both the CIA and FBI were arming different rebel groups. And they, you know, had the false flag uh, gas attack thing. So I look at a few of those things um, and, and to look at our past behavior of what, what we've been doing and realizing, you know, that how how many times that we've – been doing these things in order for to to fan the flames in order for regime change and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I mean, again, this has got to be a, a whole a whole new approach. And I, I really I really think it it starts for uh, to to cool down temperatures. You know, we we have to stop uh, interacting or interjecting ourselves. You know, I mean, the FBI, the CIA shouldn't be there arming different rebel groups. You know. Uh, they sh- we we shouldn't be, you know, trying to over overthrow. We shouldn't be bombing, you know, countries. Uh, it, there's there's a um, again a a, a a a new type of trust that we have that we have to show people. And at this point, I think because of all these things that we've we've done, uh, the dirt. On and, and all, like I said, all these false flags, all these things that have been revealed, I, I feel like it, it gives us an opportunity to to really focus our attention and energy on the people, the families, because again, these are these are families. These are are are, are a small group of people that are, are pulling the strings and and making a lot of these things go around. So I think we should focus on that and cool down the temperatures by 
by the country itself, the population, the citizens, showing that we're tired of the corruption that's creating, you know, uh, you know, fanning the flames in, in all directions, especially in the in the Middle East. You know, the Syrian pipeline. You know, there's a lot of different things that, you know, that 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 are going on about why they're why they're trying to do it. Um, does that does that answer? It? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, all right, moving along. Now we come to COVID nineteen and your presidential response. Now, the way that I frame this question is first: uh, What would you have done if you were president three months ago? That would be back when we were still just learning that there was a pandemic, um, and with the information that we were given then. And then we will move forward into the present. So, starting with the concept of three months ago. If you were the president, what would be different about the COVID-19 um, circumstances? Well, first of all, it would be to prep. I mean, we're we're such and we're an inter- international. You know, people are coming and going all the time and all over the world. We're we're a hub of the world, and it would make sense to have all these things prepared. You know. For when these things, uh, you know, uh, have make make its way over. Now, as far as um, again, we don't trust our, our government. They're the people running our government. I, I try to I try to separate the thing because the government again is different from from the from the people running our government. You know, I, I again just like corporations, it's like they're people that hide behind these corporations. Um, uh, so. Depending on on again what what information we had, um, you know they're going to have more information. That, you know I, I would have more information as a president than I would as um, you know citizen learning these things. So uh, I I think another thing would be to is to uh, alert the public for these things and start really putting some preparation in order for major. Um, Major catastrophes, and this is something I, I, I talk about. That's why uh, green guarantee is we need to be, be prepared. Because I mean, if a solar flare comes, it can wipe out a bunch of shit. There's a lot of things. If, if you know, vol- volcano goes off, Yellowstone. I mean, there's a, a lot of things that could could really screw us up. So we need to have an infrastructure set up to where we can, you know, function on on these small grids. That's that's one of the big reasons you know we need you know renewable energy uh, and uh, so going back to the whole covid-19 thing I, I i think the best thing that could have been done is again to to prepare all these different things and then go ahead and you know make sure that you know like your your mortgage your rent your credit cards you know certainly these certain things down if we're locking down Certain these things need to be paused. Certain, you know, it needs to to be a, a complete uh, switch over, I guess, um, to to allow people to, um, I mean, to quarantine, quarantine safely. You know, again, depending on what's the, you know, we're I mean, we're still learning everything that's going on. Um, so, right, okay. So now um, let's move this forward to present time, COVID-19. We we're in a situation where there's a lot of controversy back and forth about how to handle it because um, scientists are telling us that we need to lock everything down. 
you know, the capitalists in the situation are concerned about, you know, what's going to happen to our economy. So, you know, but, you know, so you as president are in a situation where you have to determine how you want to handle that. Given the current state of affairs, what would you do? Well, of course, like I said before, suspend rent, mortgage, credit cards, utilities. Right now, the most important thing is to make sure that people are housed, fed, clothed, so we 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 keep the temperatures down. Uh, you know, people when people are are stressed, I mean, the suicide rate goes up. You know, domestic violence goes up, violence, death. A lot of a lot of things happen, and we we need to understand that. So. Uh, I think we forget how how valuable our rural area is. I mean, there's tons of land. In fact, there's a, a lot of these farms are being being sold off. They've, uh, that's one of the uh, I, I do for a living too is the title searching. So I see um, when I'm researching these properties, I, I see a lot of times where they're you know subdividing you know these these you know large farms. Uh, so I, I would I would course do do a freeze on that and just starting getting certain things prepped and prepared to be able to uh keep things in motion there's there's so many um things that we need to do as a country you know our, our roads uh we have plenty of buildings plenty of housing plenty of factories that can be you know renovated uh we can reuse the material re you know renew everything we have plastic that can be you know, used for 3D printing. They can make it building blocks. We got hemp. We have uh, all sorts of storage. Well, they have the uh, the the, uh, the freight contra- containers, and they they do housings out of that. You know, the, the small housing on trailers. So there, there's no reason why you know people couldn't uh, you know be housed, fed, and in, in clothed. We have enough resources. That would be the, the 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 most important thing, and then we can start organize well at the same time really you know because having a crew of people um, and and being able to um, break down um, what we're going to need especially in the healthcare uh, field because of uh, of what's going on you know have 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 skill sets things where we can be able to have have a a flow of people working helping do certain things and where they can be trained and and certified to do specific certain things Um, and 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 really you know have uh, have a transition team I mean if if we're if we need to put together a group of people to start you know fixing certain things I mean we can we can have people work on our roads work work on rebuilding stuff start you know implement uh, implementing a lot of these um, you know renewable uh, energy uh, things, uh, you know solar farms and and if if we need to keep people quarantined, we can do as people work as a group. You know stay away for two weeks. However, there's there's a a pattern that we we can create and to where we you know keep you know uh, smaller groups of people working and doing certain things and uh, it's just just being creative. But but focusing on making sure everybody's straight because what we're learning right now, I mean, you know, a lot of of uh, you know the pollution's going down. You know, obviously the dolphins are returning in Venice. Um, you know, so there's there's wildlife showing up. We're we're learning a lot about ourselves, and uh, 
I'm seeing um, a, a real introspective and uh, you know political world uh, uh, awakening from for some people because of what's going on. They realize that you know things aren't necessarily as good as as one thinks. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's it's pretty clear that of the way the media is and and the the dislike of Trump uh but i think people are seeing the real um the real problems like just on a different level for the first time because of this yeah i would say it's definitely been a transformative situation for our society definitely um the segue from covid-19 is into healthcare what role if any do you feel you would take as president to ensure that everyone, no matter what their economic situation is, has access, access to health care? Uh, well, I mean, no health care for profit. I mean, we, we need to uh, – a, a quality of life, a healthy life, you're, you're going to be more productive. Um, I think we can break it down. We need Star, Star Trek tech. You know, we can break our, our stuff down in, into diagnostic, preventative care, you know, you know real health and uh, – uh, uh, you know, and then uh, what's it called? Um, um, drew a blank. Uh, Go ahead. But but break it down into into different sections so we can you know produce produce things um, at, at a, in a more efficient efficient way uh, because of. Schooling and education being so expensive in order to to you know be in the healthcare care field for certain things you know it it does prevent people from from going down that path and somebody that may have an interest in it, but they just don't you know they have to squash that fire because you know the the process to get there so um, i i I think you know, education should be free, and we have the we have we have the internet. I don't think people realize the value uh, of of the internet. Of course, again, it's another thing that people are realizing uh, how how important it is to have it right now to keep us connected and and keep us sane. Um, I mean, it's it's something that we haven't really learned how to use yet, utilize. So. Um, you know, healthcare. You know, same thing. We have we have technology that could cut a lot of the middleman out, keep people um, um, on their um, on a, on a specific diet for themselves. If that makes sense, like sure, you 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 go in, you break down your levels, you you design, you know your, uh, you know based upon your your chemicals. Um, I mean, it, it's. There's there's these fields and experts that we should have. I mean, we have access to them in in such a way, I guess, online. I mean, you've you've got all these nutritionists, all these uh, uh, fitness people, um, people that cook, and all these different things. So there's so many so many things to learn. We just don't organize it and 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 focus on it as as a way to um you know i, I guess as a, as a, you know of course some people do but the south isn't is not really like that i guess um i, I think 
I think just just implementing it in a certain way uh, where we break these things down could could really revolutionize how we how how the healthcare system works. Okay. So now we move on to education. Um, this is more specifically about college, um, but it has to do with uh, you know, basically what role, if any, do you feel as the president you would take in ensuring that everybody, no matter what their economic situation is, has access to you know education, higher education, more specifically. Higher. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think things are are changing because. We're, with the internet, I mean, it, it's it's so powerful. I mean, you you cut out the middleman, and a lot a lot of people talk about oh, bring our jobs back and stuff like that. We're at the point is like you know, fuck these people, you know, go around them. You don't you don't have to go through them. Organize a co-op if if it takes five people to run something, get get the five people you need. Uh, you know, I I say it like Ocean's Eleven. Um, you know, everybody does their their role. The expertise for the for the, the the big picture. I mean, you even got the money guy in there, you know. So there's a way of framing things that uh, that allow people to, you know, because perspective is 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 a big key to this. Uh, so we, you know, there's there's a lot of um, things that we should be learning, practical things that we should be learning, but we should be. Uh, Given a lot more, uh, uh, given a lot more um, push to do things that we're interested in, so we can we can focus on that. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. No, uh, Gary please. V. Uh, Gary V is a like your modern day madman. He he basically is like a social media, you know, guru kind of guy. He has a bunch of different contracts with companies and stuff like that and artists and people that growing their own social media business but he, he breaks down you know how everything works you know how to create content and how to promote your brand you know but but I really like his style because it, you know his his focus is is you know is about the journey is about getting getting somewhere you know don't be romantic about how you make your money um you know things like it's it's more important to Make less and do something you love than it is to make more and do something that you 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 can't stand. You know, I would definitely his, agree his, with that. <laughs> you know, so 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 his his big thing is, you know, how to, how to make content, how how to sell your product through the through the internet, and and that's that's key. I mean, you you sell, you know, a hundred dollar product to a thousand people. That's a hundred thousand dollars. You know, so there there's a new opportunity if we just we have to just reframe about how we how we sell our labor you know because we we own it um, so you know I, I i like gary gary v's uh, uh approach because i think that's that's kind of the future of business i mean of course i think there's going to be you know companies with employees and stuff like that but i i i really feel um the best thing you could do is kind of work for yourself, be an independent contractor, and it needs to be um, encouraged to do that. You know, you you get more perks to work for yourself. Um, I, I think that's that's yeah, it, it. Definitely changes one's um, perspective. You know, on on the whole on the whole work on the workforce, I guess. So. Um, 
so yeah, Gary V. I, I, I would actually like him to be uh, education secretary, just to, to to flip things up a little bit. Um, and a good buddy of mine brought up an idea of you know we we should, you know having these different certifications, these specific things that we we learn how to do. I mean, we can use video video games to learn things and and have um, you know achievements. That kind of thing. There's, there's, uh, we could be creative in in how we educate people, and there's, you know, plenty enough fields that we need to further, you know, further it. Sure. Okay. Uh, moving along along, um, we now come to the topic of abortion. Um, I guess this is more relevant in this particular election than many of the others because we're now concerned about a uh, shift in the uh, Supreme Court and how that could inevitably affect Roe v. Wade. Um, This is a topic, obviously, that's very important to different voters, and I get different answers depending on who I bring on, obviously. So go ahead and uh, give us your, your views on the woman's right to choose. I mean, I think a woman has a right to choose. I mean, that's pretty... You know, pretty um, clear cut. I I think there is a way to. Uh, it should be a way to 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 frame the situation, um, to to allow, you know, more cons- conservatives to 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 help, you know, give other give other options. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, it's a you know, there's different different reasons. You know, a, a, a woman chooses. Um, so, uh, I, but I I do think framing for the conservatives could be a way to do it. I mean, when you look at uh, how expensive it is and the, the red tape and everything to go through in order to adopt someone, and of course you hear so many horror stories about all all these things that are happening. Um, you know, there there needs to be a, a better process all around. You know, if if people want to give someone a, a different option, another option, um, then you know we we need to to be prepared to do that. But again, I I do think a woman you know has has the right right to choose. You know. Now there were some follow up questions about this. Uh, one of them is generally, how far does that go, um, all the way even up to and including partial birth abortion, where a baby is more or less completely viable but has been pulled out of the womb and is basically only still legally a fetus because their head hasn't come out yet. I mean, um, do you still feel that that's lined up with that? Um. Uh, n- no, it's a um, difficult one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, here's here's how I look at, it, you know, because I mean, I I I've, I know women that have had abortions, so you know, knowing knowing the emotional um, toll that it takes on someone, um, even if they felt that that was the right thing for them to do, you know, is 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 huge. Um, and you know, you, you, uh, so I, you know, so I think about, I think about that. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't like the idea, you know, I have a little one, um, 
just just over two years and and i you know i i definitely um look at things different um um sure yeah i mean that's that's i i mean i i don't know i i don't i don't think i mean i i think there there needs to be a cutoff point you know um and of course again with 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 adequate health care you know we can we can stamp a lot of these things out before before you know you know and the issue arises and you know i i even i mean i even believe in uh, legalizing sex work i mean i think that's going to you know cut out a lot of a lot of issue um you know you're not going to sure. have a lot of a lot of drunken college guys you know chasing down tell all the time you know you you know you i mean that's the one specific thing but you you know i mean there's there's a lot of a lot of things that that it could um you know issues that can be prevented later on you know um and plus sex in general is is such a taboo subject and and to be able to discuss things and you know and women women are different and that's that's i mean sometimes even women don't think that their women are different which is crazy um but um sure yeah yeah that's that's you know woman woman has the right to choose and I, I i understand and i i think there is a point um you know there there is a point okay so now we move on to a topic that i would say is in some ways kind of the the ballywick of the green party in particular and that is the environment this topic will be brought up first of all in a general environmental attitude and then secondly specifically to address climate change so first we just talk about what you if you what you see is a president your role would be in protecting the environment um well you know obviously i would in, in fracking you know ban fracking um you know the the damage and and the things that we're doing to pollute the air, pollute the water. That you know is to stamp stamp out that. Um, you know again pre- preventative stuff. Um, I you know I was speaking about this earlier. We we have so many uh, material that we can renew and reuse, repurpose, and I think that needs to be a, a huge. Um, focus on because it allows us to clean up a lot of things and and fix things that that need you know need to be fixed um, we i think as a country you know we're s- supposed to provide the best uh you know best life we can for for people um for the citizens you shouldn't, shouldn't have dirty water, dirty air, uh, be dealing with, you know, the pipes like like in Flint, you know, sure. um, like that, that. So that's uh, a whole, uh, you know, rehaul, uh, overhaul, I guess, of, of everything, um, and focus on framing it that way. Uh, again, like with the whole renewable energy and uh, that kind of thing, in order to give people 
uh, that choice to get get on board for some of these things because some of these policy solutions, you know, are going to help the environment, are going to help for climate change, you know, but you you don't have to sell certain things all about just climate change, you know. That that's one of the things that I've I've learned through my arguing is, is like I, you can get somebody to 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 the same end point of what they want just by having a different issue that that calls for for a similar plan so that that's that's kind of i guess how I, I i i'm looking at it okay all right so um that moves us on to some of the bonus questions let me take a look and see how much time we have well you have about an hour so um that's going to move us on to the war on drugs. Uh, Morsley, actually, oh, um, before I get to that, I, I forgot. Did did you want to say anything further on global warming? Um, I mean, you could see what's going on right now um, with everyone, um, you know, taking a step back and seeing things clear up. I think it's a good sign to show what can be done if we work as a unit. Uh, it, it, it's, it's an example of of you know uh, that that not only do we need to heal our our environment but we heal, need to heal ourselves uh, so again you know framing and and being able to see some of these things um change you know uh in a quick time could could help uh get people on board and understand what needs what needs to happen, where we need to take society, and how we need to work as a unit in order to to create the society that we want. Okay. So now we're going to go on to the war on drugs. This is specifically what, if any, role you think the government, um, obviously including the president, um, should take in the issue of regulating or not regulating. Um, what we currently refer to as, you know, obviously the drugs that are used mostly for recreation. We're not really referring to prescription drugs at this time unless they're being abused. You know, um, you know, the opioid epidemic is kind of part of this, obviously, but we're yeah. more specifically referring to how to deal with the illegal drugs that we have in this country. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, well, I would legalize all, all drugs or decriminalize it um I, I i think that again we have to look at why you know people are escaping why you know people go down certain paths um you know a lot of times the deaths and a lot of these things that are going on have to do with bad batches of certain things or not knowing what something is because people cut certain things and i mean there's there's a whole slew of different things and plus you know it being in the black market you know in the underworld you know, you you have a different set of rules, just like you know prohibition. When you create a law and, and the dynamic says this, you bash heads because of this, then you're going to create you know a problem. Um, and then, of course, we find out you know you know what the CIA did in the 80s. Uh, you know, of course, the, the the crime bill. You know, we're 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 seeing, um, of course, the reasons why we even have the war on drugs. That was Nixon's guy had said something about it was to to curb hippies and black people, I believe. Uh, uh, we said it in an interview or something like that in the 90s. That was the the big thing. 
so the war, the war on drugs, I think the war on drugs um, is a great opportunity to, uh, again, bring people together uh, by, first of all, ending it, and then taking the money and everything that is being has been spent. Of course, it's been destroying lives, not just you know uh, black lives, but white lives, all all sorts of people. Um, and there's more people in jail for cannabis than all violent crimes combined. Blacks and minorities are four to five times as likely to be um, prosecuted and longer sentences, even though whites. And blacks uh, have, you know use at the same rate, so there's there's it, understanding that and then seeing how they report, you know, okay, well there's more black people in jail, therefore black people must be more criminal. That goes to the propaganda and how they beat the fear drum to scare, you know, white people. And you know, there's there's a certain image that is being perpetuated, uh, of course, you know, through the, through the media. Um, I, I only say that. To, to, to draw it back because it, understanding that the war on drugs did affect more than just the black community, even if even if it was, was a much smaller degree. And of course, now we're seeing, like you said, the the uh, the opioid crisis. Of course, we what we did to 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 get that going. You know, there's been a big you know uh, uptick in, of course, the, the sub, suburbs, white white community for opioid issues. So. By looking at it and ending the drug war and creating – this is uh, one of the things that I want to do is do – the first wave of reparations would be on the war on drugs because it would allow us to really document how, this po- how these policies, how these things you know, affected all these lives. And by acknowledging how it you know, affected uh, the different communities – you know, it it allows people to feel um, vindicated, or or um, by by it, their their hurt being uh, addressed. Um, but it it also can show to the degree in which um, the black community and, and and minority community is is affected at a heavy rate. So again, we can we can take all that. The money and funds. I mean, California. It's what seventy thousand dollars to house an inmate a year. I mean, it's ridiculous the, the the amount of money that that is that they're using these people's lives in order to to to, to cut a paycheck. And that's I mean that's what it is. So, you know, I, I'm coming up with with the exact numbers, the exact system. I, I think there needs to be a different package that you that you can you can choose, but. You know, we need to empty empty our jails um, and really, really start focusing on getting people help because PTSD, and, and not only not only for, I mean, for everybody. I mean, you know, and, and this is, you know, because I, I was talking about the prohibition, right? So it gives sure. it gives us an example to look at the past and how. When when alcohol went illegal, what happened? Right, that's how the Kennedys made their money. That's how you know it, it created this dynamic where you know obviously having a drink ain't bad, but you know that that gives the you know the decision on whether the cop wants to be a good cop or or a bad cop, and then is he really a good cop or bad cop? You know what I mean? Like you're following the orders, 
but even though they're, you know what I mean? So it's like the, the, the dilemma. And, you know, I don't know if you've watched anything about prohibition. I mean, it was well known about <laughs> all these different things that are, that were going on. It was like a taboo thing happening. And it, I mean, the government even, we even, even poisoned people, you know, through the alcohol. So it, it creates a dynamic, a, a, a game, if you will, a, a role, and that's what says, hey, bash heads. That's what says, hey, this is how you have to treat this situation. This is how you have to look at it. You have to be afraid here. You need to have your your senses heightened. You know this kind of thing, and it's 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 uh, a fuck job to to these people's minds. Um, so I, I think it's important to really, you know, focus on the men- well, the mental health. And and processing, um, having want people to deprogram themselves and and to uh, help undo a lot of these things. Uh, and the way we do that is find people that have, you know, had experiences, you know, in these different cultural bubbles. Maybe maybe they were police, and and you know they came to an to an understanding or something like that. So people that understand the culture that can connect the two. Because like for me. Is you know I lived in Miami uh, for six years. You know I grew up in Tennessee. My dad being a preacher, you know Pentecostal evangelist. You know and then going down to Miami and then spending time with a lot of Latin communities, doing a lot of hooks because I, I sing, do music, did a lot of hooks and stuff for for different rappers. You know there's there was a lot of things that I didn't understand uh, before, and then as I started understanding like the pulse and threads of, of, of these cultures. You know, to the extent that I can, I started seeing. Okay, well, here's here's a, a way to connect it to, and I may not have perfected that goal, but you know, that's where I feel like the music and stuff can really, music and art can really be a, a huge vehicle for for bringing people together. And um, I, I, again, I think it's a, the approach. You know, we we. You know, people are are being programmed to hate each other, and it's again, it's not to to, to condone the output, what people are are saying or doing, but it's just about taking a look at the situation, like criminal minds. You know, we have to break down, you know, how people think and why people think, and we need to really understand how the elite, how the one percent thinks, like their whole thought process too. Like if that's important for us to. To really be able to analyze, to know that, well, first of all, these people are what what they're willing to do to hold on to power. You know, that's, I mean, that's clear. You know, they're, you know, I don't, I'm going all over the place, but it is, <laughs> it's okay. It is, it is if you feel you're done with that, big, we can move on. <laughs> it's a big, big world. Um, but yeah, so just just to wrap up everything, I, I think. Um, I, I want to do a cannabis coalition because I, I feel like those this connected to the cannabis to cannabis can really change, like the healthcare reform, you know, all the different drugs that cannabis can take the place of. You know, again, like I was saying about the the violent violent crimes, more people in jail for cannabis. Well, that that's going to go ahead and, and take a, a lot of wind out of uh, of the, the prison issue. You know, and, and help with with the the law agency, um, I guess uh, culture, you know. So th- there's a few things that it co- that connects everyone. 
uh, connects everything, and I, I think it's it's uh, a a shock enough still that it it could be something that that people really um, could get behind. Because I mean, right now we we need to legalize it. Period. You know, especially with with being stuck at home and all the things that it can do. You know, it, you know, in place of these opioids and. BS medications. Sure. All right. Do you have any thoughts on criminal justice reform? Uh, I mean, I I think that we need to, of course, change our whole system and how we, you know, the, the, the bail system things is BS. We have technology, right? Uh, we should be utilizing it. And being able to really, um, uh, you know, cut out a lot of a, a lot of BS. You know, one one idea since we have, you know, a, a phone, we should be able. If you get pulled over, we should have a different type of of uh, police or traffic stop. Right? They should be able to pull you over and connect with you right there. And maybe a third party can be there to monitor what's going on. Nobody has to get out of their car. They can just boom, you are speeding, boom, boom, boom. You want to pay it now. You know, you know, maybe everybody has an app. I don't know. There's just there's just so many things that we can we can make an app for. I mean, it sounds silly, but it's the truth. You know, I I really think um that just just by changing the way we handle certain things can Cut a lot, cut out a lot of a, a lot of the bullshit. You know, I mean, because that's what they want. You know, I mean, a lot of people are, are in 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 jail. You know, that haven't even been convicted. They can't because they can't pay pay bail. Uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, they had um, like the sheriff owned the detention facility. So I mean, as long as you keep people in there, you're getting paid. And then the people that were drug testing were failing people. On purpose, it's like this big old thing, you know. So there's there's just a lot of little things that just need to just to be stamped out, you know. I mean, it, it shouldn't be for profit either, you know. Your healthcare, your criminal justice reform. I mean, you know, people shouldn't be going to jail for for BS, especially you know not. If you're poor and you and you you don't have the bread to pay the money, you know what? They're gonna you're gonna take you to jail. They're gonna take away your license. They're gonna take away, you know your kid. Like come on, like some some of the you know just the way about handling this stuff is just BS. It's it's a way for you know to keep bringing more money in, you know, and then the more money you bring in, the more things you can find to, to pay, you know, to buy. So okay. Um, Complete overhaul, you know, and and ask really. To be honest, it is the people that really know the dirt, what's going on, are a lot of these, a lot of these cats that are sitting in prison, that have been in, in through the system, that see all the little loopholes, the BS things that that are, are allowing you know the system to screw them over. So, um, lots lots of love for my, you know. Okay, so this brings us to immigration. Your thoughts on should we have borders, open borders? Uh, how do we treat this issue? 
I, I don't think we're ready for open borders yet. I mean, you know, the idea is, is great in, in, you know, like a Europe situation. Um, I think, uh, again, it's about what we're representing as a country. And we have the opportunity because we're a melting pot of the world, and we have so many uh, ethnicities and nationalities uh, within our country that are Americans that we should be the a real example of, of of how all these cultures can blend and mix and meet, and and uh, and give you know give um, respect to, to different cultures. And I, I I think. I think that's that's the first the first step um, to to really show again like again the value in in what we can learn from other other cultures and, uh, and it, because we want to be able to uh, you know our way of life our philosophy our ideology our 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 culture the American culture needs to be able to spread beyond our borders where. It allows other people to see, you know, how they should be living, um, you know, with everything that we've been doing. And can we go back to all all the the involvement we're doing to destroy, you know, these other countries in in direct ways or indirect ways, sanctions and all these different things. I mean, we're we're creating we're creating the process for, for the reasons for people that have to to migrate to go somewhere. Um, so that would be the first thing is, is to cut out, um, you know, cut out the, the, what we're doing, the dirty that we're doing, and uh, you know, just want to bring up a, a, a an example of a talking point. You know, uh, you know, people, I guess, on the right or conservatives would 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 you know be concerned with you know those the immigrants that were coming that are. are Trying to hurt us, which those would be, you know, you know, I guess possibly uh, disenfranchised or affected by what we've done to their country or, or whatever reason. So I, I think it's important to acknowledge that that fear is not wrong because of the propaganda, and it's just to understand like the the, the de- degree in in what your fear is is. Is in 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 the grand scheme of things. Does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah. it's so it's, so it's not it's not to because um, just speaking on this is this is like something that a boilerplate issue, a conversation that people get into. You know, they say, well, we're worried about people, you know, you know, doing you know doing something, you know, uh, crazy. And that's you know, they, of course, the Islamic terrorism is one of the things people people say, and and you know, that's it's not that that's not a a valid concern with what one's being fed is what I'm, you know, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like it, it's, it's just understanding where their fears come from, why their fears, and then getting, being able to walk someone back um, to to understanding, you know, to understanding that. Which, you know, going back to the original thing uh, we were talking about with the propaganda, is the right conservative Trumpsters see it more clearly right now than the left. You know, because the left really fell for the the Russia Gate, they really fell for this whole impeachment thing, all this BS stuff. You know, and and it's like you. 
I know where I'm, I'm going all over the place, but the train's running. Um, <laughs> let me stay on, stay on immigration. But um, so yeah, and then then of course the people that have been living here, that have have been contributing to society. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I think if they want to become citizens, there they needs to be in, you know, pretty easy way to do it. And because of technology, because we have it, you know, we should be able to to have an e- easier process. I mean, you know, I mean, if if you've worked for someone for so long, I mean, you should have, you know, to be able to, you know, have have people speak on your behalf or you know whatever the you know the requirements are, but I, I, at, at this point, I really, you know, I I I really want to see, um, you know, people people have that and, and have that peace, you know, um, you know, because they're working, they're they're contributing, and you know, of course, the reason why. Uh, a lot of these things aren't uh, easier is because there's people that are exploiting the labor. I mean, it's it's ex- exploitation. So. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, um, now I want to just give you an opportunity to uh, speak to the voters directly about why they should pick you. Um, if you were going to speak to a, you know, I would say on average, not always, but on average, most Green Party people would probably appeal to Democrats and there's an awful lot of disenfranchised Democrats out there right now. You know, why would they consider um, you as opposed to say <laughs> Joe Biden? Um, well, well, first off, I, you know, I, I'm still cognizant. I'm, I'm able to know the difference between someone that would be my sister or my wife um, just to start. Uh, what what I'm really focused on is to break the two party system. I think by breaking the breaking the two party system, and that's showing that that we can have a third voice that can bring the conversation, that can bring people together, you know, outside of of just thinking in in, in two ways. Uh, it, it would be a huge huge step for our country and for for our party. Uh, so that that's what I'm most focused on, you know, disrupting the corrupt. I think my value comes in with understanding how art and entertainment and branding, um, and, and how it it is, um, how important it is for the success of uh, of um, you know making making this movement really really work. Uh, it's it's absolutely uh needed you know not 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 only just just to deliver the message but to um really bring people together and, and cool like i say cool temperatures down and, and give people a, a feeling i mean music music takes you someplace and if if we can um bring it bring it together right i i mean i i i really think that you know, we we could see a, a real shift. Um, as far as the, the Green Party goes, uh, you know, I, I if you if you've looked at the primary and what I've been focused on, which has been the internal issues, uh, the growth plan is to identify and remove the toxic players 
in leadership, uh, to organize our resources, and then to have a huge social media blast, which I had no idea that this whole COVID-19 thing, COVID-19 thing was going to happen. And my, my whole uh, approach, which I wanted to, to be mainly through social media, um, it, it just uh, really opened up opened up the door for, for what I've been talking about. And I, I'm seeing everybody else kind of adjust to my whole plan. Um, but I've, I've been focused on the internal issues, and there's been uh, a lot of dirt going on. I mean, there's factions that are trying to control the party, um, internal rigging of the primary. There's people that are, are using the party's resources to promote outside organizations uh, and then sharing it on – you know, they're sharing it on our our, our main page, uh, you know, our media guys on Hawkins' campaign. You know, there's co-chairs and committee members on Hawkins' campaign. Uh, they selected him. They, they, it was a group of them. Uh, so the, the, there's a lot of things that are happening that is mirrors the behavior in, in the DNC. And I only bring that up because the point is to say you can look at my track record and see what's most important because we need a vehicle, we need a party, and, uh, and the Green Party has the values. The, the, they're, they're on point for everyone. We just need strong leadership that can can really bring us together, that knows what they need to focus on, which is, hey, is, is if we don't have integrity in our process, uh, we don't have res- respect in, in how we treat people and, and the vibe, the energy that's created, then we're not bringing people into the party. And you can't get ballot access. I mean, I, I mean if, we didn't, if we don't have a wave of people, you know, ballot access means nothing. You know, we want people to join the party because they care about the values, because they're engaged, because they're allowed, they're allowed to discuss and 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 go through these things. Because people are angry, people are pissed off, people are, are hurting. You know, and we need a, a real platform for people to 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 work work these things out. Because again, if if we cut out the propaganda, you know, cut out the censorship. You know, we can cut out the corruption, and then that gives us a, a, a real chance to to wade through all the facts and, and process it, and, and it gives us a chance to to respect each other. You know, we, uh, you know, for uh, if you're worried about Trump, right? The biggest thing we could do to tr- take the, the wind out of Trump's sails is to call out the crimes of Clinton and Obama, and focus on them as a left to break down their narrative and 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 their power structure because that that would give us respect and people people would would respect would respect us on the right and then that would you know take out a lot of of energy that that is being pumped towards you know Trump's side because they think he's the the vehicle or you know I mean a lot of people just like to see him you know fuck shit up you know and and disrupt stuff and 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 I, I'm, I mean, obviously, directly, I, 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 I'm not, I don't like what's happening. Um, but indirectly, you know, I'm, I, I see that it's taking the face off of what's happening in, in our government. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that that's what's leading 
you know, leading people to understand. And I'm 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 seeing that this is an opportunity for someone that doesn't talk like everyone else. It's not a politician to to come in and just you know call these people out and and really really frighten them. I mean, if if they're not scared, they're not going to make any moves. So. Okay. Well, this has been an interesting conversation. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed it. Um, I have. I guess now that I've gone through all the questions, I can kind of more directly respond. I'm not normally ever so quiet during a broadcast, but um, I'd say that uh, one of the things that I hope with this series is that the Green Party is one of many left-leaning parties and that is not the Democrats. And what I'm hoping for is that in some way we can get them all together. And the reason for that, and I understand that, you know, each one of these groups has an individual group for a reason, an individual party, but I'd say that most of them have more in common than they don't. And it, you know, I think there's like four different socialist parties and I believe there's two different parties that call themselves progressive parties that are just coming off the top of my head. And then there's like the family workers party or something like that. And for the most part, they all kind of have, similar attitudes. And I think that it would behoove us, especially with this situation that we have now, that these groups should be able to find a way to coalesce. Um, Because at the end of the day, um, something that I discussed with you off the air, um, and I've said it before, actually, I had an actual socialist on my show a couple times, meaning a full on, you know, like nationalized things kind of guy um he still believes very heavily in direct democracy though it's not he doesn't believe in dictators but anyway the the point is is that he discussed with me the history of the socialist movement and more specifically that i think back in 2008 when i had him on actually i was a right-leaning libertarian but that's the kind of (laughs) open-minded guy i'm in is that i i still gave a voice to everybody and he actually gave me the compliment of telling me that that was like the best interview he had ever had and that was absolutely you know diametrically opposed to what he was thinking but we're still friends to this day his name is brian moore and to any of you who are tuning in now you can you can listen to my more recent show with him where we discuss why bernie sanders is not actually a socialist um but anyway he said did you ever you know has it ever occurred to you that it's interesting that everybody's calling obama a socialist this is during the 2008 campaign and i was like well yeah and he's like well the reason why people call democrats socialists is that uh, the Socialist Workers Party um, way back when, and he was actually able to give me more articulate information as to specifically when, but from what I understand, this is like black and white photo days, um, that the Democratic Party used to actually be the pro-slavery party like many, many years ago, um, that they're, you know, every party goes through transitions, obviously, because the Republicans are certainly not the party of the people anymore, at least in my opinion, Um but anyway, they said that, you know, there was a time when the Democrats basically wanted the Socialist Workers Party's votes. And that's because the Socialist Party used to be the party of unions, the party of workers, the party of the common man. So they had to change the Democratic Party platform to absorb an awful lot of socialist ideas in order to get those people to vote for them. And what has gone on now, you know, is that basically that covenant, like if there was a marriage between the Democrats, you know, centrist attitudes, which at this point, they're not even really centrist to me. They're like full on right leaning. Um, right. You know, if there was a marriage between them 
and the socialist slash progressive left-leaning people, that marriage is now devolved into an abusive one where, you know, the husband is smacking the wife around and telling her to shut up all the time. And that's basically how I feel that progressive and left-leaning people are being treated by the Democratic Party. You know, they need us around, like they don't want us to leave. And that's why I still call it an abusive marriage. It's not like we're divorced, you know, but they, they keep us around basically for when they feel they need something from us. And then it's, you know, and then we better be quiet and know our place. And I think that enough is enough. Like there was a time period when they at least did some things to try to um, keep that covenant. But at this point, it's very clear that they don't want us. Um, they, they, the funny thing is, is that they, they still seem to think they do. And I think it's because they keep basically, that's the reason why I use the abusive marriage analogy is that they spend a bunch of time telling us that we're stupid and that we're nothing and that we're wrong and that we don't matter and that our ideas don't matter. And then now all of a sudden, you know, now that Bernie Sanders has dropped out of the race, it's time for them to start, you know, this is the phase after they've beaten us up and bruised us and they're giving us flowers and candy to say they're sorry and we promise we won't do it again you know that's that's exactly how i feel they've treated them you know and i say them at this point because i'm actually an independent um and that goes back to what i said before about george washington the only non-party president we have ever had in our history and i'm not saying i agree with everything of george washington's platform and not getting into that i wouldn't even be able to accurately <laughs> speak on that other than to point out go that through, yeah our founding fathers were actually all a bunch of very wealthy slave owners. Um, That's another thing that people don't tend to talk about is that in the history of the United States, um, I actually did a very good show about this called Bernie, Tulsi and Yang. The system is not broken. It's working as intended. And because I worked for Senator Mike Gravel, he was trying to get together a constitutional amendment to allow us to do direct democratic referendums to affect federal policy law. You know, you could recall the president, you could recall congressmen, you know, things like that. It was what he wanted to do. But in order to write a constitutional amendment, you have to study the the history, because if you've ever listened to what the Supreme court sounds like when they're debating something like, for example, I listened to recordings of the Supreme court debating the issue of the DC gun ban, and in order to do that, they literally have to read letters and, you know, um, notes because there's no like really articulate information offered. And so anyway, one of the things that Mike Gravel realized when he was studying the drafting of the Constitution was that they were all plutocrats. Like they, they were not like, you know, out for the common man. Thomas Jefferson would probably be the most out for the common man, but Um, When they were drafting the Constitution, the Bill of Rights was a concession, meaning that the Federalists, I believe they were called, more or less begrudgingly accepted the idea of a Bill of Rights because they, you know, and the backdrop of the situation that people don't tend to talk about is that the reason that the wealthy had a reason to fear the poor is because the poor made up the bulk of the Revolutionary Army and they never got paid. And so they basically, there was this large group of armed men who, you know, the wealthy were concerned, were going to try to overthrow them. And, you know, there was other aspects to this, like the fact that they, they hated democracy. And the reason they hated democracy was because they tried to ratify the Constitution and they kept running into problems because some of the colonies had a high 
um, number of Quakers living there. I don't know if you're familiar with the Society of Friends, but they're a very mellow Christian sect, and and they were very opposed to slavery. So they said, we're not ratifying this. You didn't make con- you didn't make slavery illegal. But if you go to some of the southern states, their entire economy, you know, wouldn't function without slavery. So of course they wouldn't ratify the Constitution unless it was in there. So then they convinced us all to elect these rich delegates to do all of our decision-making for us. Now, does any of this sound familiar? You know, this, this yeah. is exactly how the system works right now. And then the, they went in and they drafted the Constitution behind locked doors. It was a big secret meeting. And, you know, when they came out, you know, they asked, one of them asked Ben Franklin, what did you do? He's like, well, we gave you a republic if you can keep it. You know, but... The, the republic aspect of it, you know, along with all of the uh, propaganda against democracy that they put out to try to get people to mistrust democracy, because before we had this system, the colonies actually more or less governed themselves by democratic town halls, where everybody would get a chance to speak, whether they were the farmer, the blacksmith, you know, the mayor, whatever, and then people would vote collectively on what they wanted to do. And if you didn't agree with how the referendum went, you could just go back to your farm. You know, nobody was going to go show up at your house and force you to do anything, you know, but that was the difference in the systems that are already in place around the world that have these democratic referendums are some of the freest and happiest countries, places like Switzerland. For example, in Switzerland, you can't even take that country to war without a referendum, as in there is no other than like, you know, an individual like their their equivalent, I think it's a prime minister, can make orders to defend the country in an immediate threat. But if you wanted to do something like, say, the war in Iraq, there's nobody in the Swiss government empowered to do that. You have to have a referendum. Um, and that's why I think that in, at the end of the day, we've been more or less conned into believing that we have a democratic republic when the re- truth of the matter is, is we have a plutocracy that is pretending to be a democratic republic. And when you throw the party system into it, it only makes it worse, much, much worse. And there's a reason why we keep having wealthier and wealthier people or people who have sold out to the wealthy make up 90% of our government. You know, 90 is like a, you know, (laughs) I'd say that's a conservative term, but you know, that, that's the system we have. And that's the reason why as ridiculous as it is, you know, we have to go through all these hoops in order to make third parties work. So, you know, I hope that the listeners have enjoyed this broadcast. I hope that you enjoyed your time here. Um, Maybe we'll have you on again sometime because one of the other things I'd like to do is to try to have um, uh, panelists to discuss current events. I haven't done a show like that in a while, but I try to get like three or four people from just different aspects of the, of the um, activist world to discuss, you know, things that are going on as we, you know, and I think a good one would be for this COVID-19 crisis, try to get some, you know, maybe some libertarians, some greens and, you know, just people from different, you know, walks of life to discuss their views on it and what they think should happen. But um, did you have anything further that you wanted to say to the audience? Uh, Just, you can check out my website at chadwilson.us. Twitter at Chad2020 or not Chad Wilson 2020. That's right. Yeah, Chad Wilson 2020 on uh, Facebook too. So, um, I you know appreciate you having me on. I appreciate everyone listening and hope hopefully you guys 
get a better sense of you know what I'm about and, and I guess my my approach and angle that I'm 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 you know because I care care about people and I just want to see I want to see some real change and uh, I want to be involved in that so absolutely so um by the way anybody listening if for some reason you missed it I did in fact link uh his website in the description of the broadcast so thank you all for tuning in um, being as how I had a musician on, I thought it might be appropriate to throw on some music to end this broadcast. And um, I'll call you after the show, Chad. So, All right, perfect. Thanks again for everybody who tuned in. I'm going to leave you with some what I feel is appropriate John Lennon. As soon as you're born, they make you feel small. By giving you no time instead of it all Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be hurt you at home and they hit you at school They hate you if you're clever and they despise a fool Till you're so fucking crazy you can't follow their rules A working class hero is something to be Working class hero is something to be When they've tortured and scared you for twenty odd years Then they expect you to pick a career When you can't really function you're so full of fear Working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be Keep you doped with religion and sex and TV And you think you're so clever and classless and free But you're still fucking peasants as far as I can see A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be There's room at the top they are telling you still First you must learn how to smile as you kill If you want to be like the folks on the hill A working class hero is something to be
Follow me. If you want to be a hero, well, just follow me. 